from beyond the farthest reaches of our galaxy they come. Two brains pulsing with a strange energy. These space brains come to share their love of science fiction movies. Welcome to Space Brains, the show where we joy watch sci-fi movies and then talk about what was good and what was great. I'm Surrey and this is Mark. Hiya, it's episode 92 and we are talking about science fiction film Boss Level. Came out in 2020. In this episode we'll reveal what we thought about the film, the ins and outs of narrative and film language, plus a nice deep dive into a specific piece of science that the filmmakers are proposing. Boss Level was directed by Joe Carnahan and with the screenplay by Chris Borey, Eddie Borey and Joe Carnahan. If you haven't seen this film yet, be warned. Warning. This is your spoiler warning. Warning. Go back, watch the film, then tune back in because we're going to talk about everything. And then go back and watch it again. And then watch it again. Watch it again. And then watch it again. Just keep watching it again. Yeah, well, if you do find yourself <laughs> doing that, I hope you've made it to the end and you got to see how to finish. That's right. And the reason why we joke about that is this the premise of this film is basically the protagonist gets trapped in a time loop that constantly repeats the day of his murder. Uh, he is a former Special Forces agent and he must unlock the mystery behind this untimely demise. What was your number one takeaway from Boss Level, Sorry, My number one takeaway from Boss Level is that Frank Grillo has a ridiculous Ridiculously low level of body fat. <laughs> yeah, he like, does, doesn't he? Outrageously. That's just genetics right there. So if you want to see a model of human anatomy, just <laughs> there's a there's a scene right at the very start there where he's shirtless, which I'm thinking is the whole point here, and he, he demonstrates the entirety of his torso, which is quite a remarkable thing. He doesn't demonstrate his legs in that very well, but then does he? Because he does... There's a couple of moments where he's... There's a moment with the sun as well where he's got... I think maybe he's wearing a singlet or something. You're like, that can't be real. Come on, surely. Come on. You're looking for the implants. It's just... (laughs) And I think it is real. Yeah. Because I just... There's a comedy show on Amazon, which is sci-fi as well, called Upload. And it's about you uploading the consciousness after dying. And actually, there's an episode in season two of that where he's standing in the mirror. Again, because it's just consciousness stuff, he wants his biceps to be bigger. And they do. They get they make them bigger. And then they want a charge of $3,500 or something or credits, however it works, for the bigger biceps. And he's like, ah, I can't afford that. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that's like this guy. This, when I was then watching this movie, I was thinking... Yeah, he's, it's like that. Surely it's not real. Surely it's digital. He paid for <laughs> fat reduction. From, yeah. No, evidently it is. And that sort of level of fatlessness is either the result of a horrendously strict diet regime, mm-hmm. which um, a, a few people have done. Uh, Brad Pitt did it for, which one, Troy? Troy, yeah. He is famously extremely cut in Troy, apparently. Yeah, he was. I was reading it took him like three, basically he went away to a cabin in the woods for three months with a trainer and a chef. Mm. And they would bring the food in 
and prepare it for him and train him and that's all he could do like mm. because he was just basically cut off from city convenience mm. and that that's what he did for three months he said it was really shit <laughs> <laughs> it's like yeah i mean it's really cool he looked amazing in these little shots there but it, yeah. yeah it's just it's harsh however some people are luckily or unluckily genetically mm. um predisposed to not carrying fat. Yeah. And if you get those people, quite often they're usually not also particularly muscular, mm. but you can train. Yeah. And if they do train heavily, then they end up looking a bit like Frank Grillo. Yeah, yeah. There's a guy at my gym, in fact, he's not especially fit or strong. Like, I mean, you know, he's a fit guy. He's at yeah. the gym. He's, he's doing well. But he, he has zero fat on him. And that's just a genetic thing. He's Yeah. You can see every muscle moving under his skin, mm. and it's it's kind of freaky to look at, but um, like a lava lamp, you know, you're sort of watching these things moving under skin, and it's just like, wow, that's <laughs> that's under my skin too. Yeah, somewhere. somewhere. If I dig deep, mm. uh, I mean, it's a bit Arnie Predator kind of level in this for Frank, isn't it? You uh, know, well, that... you can tell that his scenes there, he's he's always got a pump going on because you, yeah. you see the size of his veins. Yeah. You only get that from um, exertion where your blood pressure has gone up and your yeah. heart has started pumping. So I'm going to suggest that before all of his scenes where you can see his he arms and so forth, jogging. he would have yeah, done a, a bunch of push-ups and yeah. some chin-ups and, you know, tuck jumps or something rather to get his blood up and running and his, his muscles sort he's of pumped filled. Up. And then he was saying that a lot of these special, it looks like he's not tensing, but actually he is. In yeah, order yeah. to see the muscles there, he's sort of posing and tensing. And uh, Hugh Jackman talks a bit about it with his Wolverine experience, yeah, which yeah. he likewise said. The, the training for that, for those shots, and then he would have to, when they're doing his shirtless scenes, you take his diuretics and then a sauna, like he would be dehydrated yeah. and almost falling over faint. But geez, he looks strong. <laughs> he looks good. I, ironically, <laughs> not strong. Yeah. Because his, you know, he had to then dehydrated. You know, go and drink sports drinks and actually eat a bit of food and things. But <laughs> they'd get their shots done, and then he's like, "Oh, thank goodness, I can wear a t-shirt now." Yeah, that's right. They do tend to shoot those scenes like they're the first scenes of you know because the shoot might go for three months, so they mm. film the nude scenes, the shirt off scenes you know they're the first few scenes because mm. that's when they're, they're jacked up after that it doesn't really matter they can hide stuff under yeah. shirts you know and and pants and stuff so yeah i know dak shepherd who does armchair expert kind of there's a, some sort of movie comedy movie where he was nude at the in in the film maybe with drew barrymore or something and um there was a shot of his butt so he was like i just didn't eat for three months in the up to that film shoot, uh, he wasn't. It didn't have the budget of Troy and that to mm. have a trainer in the cabin in the woods. But he just like, I just didn't eat. I just didn't eat. Just drank, and then my butt was nice and tight for that shot. We got the shot. After that, I could just do whatever I wanted. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because I was I was watching uh, YouTube. I follow a, a number of uh, you know physical training sort of YouTubes. Uh, all evidence based, of course, with scientific research. Um, of course, quoted, on YouTube. Uh, yeah. Well, no, well, these ones actually are like yeah. some so like qualified doctors and so forth of microbi- of biology and human physiology and so on. And there's one guy, he makes his good point is if you're going to do natural you know, like weight training, as in not enhanced with steroids, you get a choice. You can either look good with a shirt on or look good with a shirt off. 
rarely can you get the two at the same time. Right. Okay. And what he means by that is that if you've sort of got that nice sort of um, – uh, sort of lumpy muscular physique that looks good under a shirt. Right. You probably don't have a six pack and things because you need to eat to do that. Yeah. Right. In order to have the six pack and the chiselled abs and so forth, your muscles probably aren't going to look as big because well, there's no fat sort of high, you know, in, enlarging them and um, you know wearing a t-shirt, you'll probably look like a bit of a skinny guy. Yeah. Right. But you take your shirt off and you'll flex, and people go, "Ooh, abs!" <laughs> and, and you know he's got cut chest and things like that, but uh, uh, as a generalisation because Frank Grillo, of course, best of both worlds. Yeah. Well, Frank, if you're out there and you're listening, let us know. Were you dehydrated like a Wolverine on set or what kind of action did you do? Sorry, he's extremely interested. Yeah, I'm assuming he didn't drink two bottles of Chinese rice wine. That <laughs> seems horrifying. <laughs> I always get, You know what? It always gets me that as well in movies in general when they do that and yet they're really fit guys because you're like, if you're an alcoholic to that extremity, you're just not fit. If, if you're, you could, not, you're not fit. If like, you get down two whole bottles yeah, of wine like that. Good on you, but you're not fit. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I can't imagine how you'd also be that muscular. Yeah. And, and fit as he's presented in this film, running and jumping and fighting and all the rest of it. Because the alcohol, I mean, it's a whole other biology. We're really doing a biology lesson here, aren't we? Um, you've, you've tuned into the wrong episode of Space Brains. Yes. But yeah, I mean, because alcohol has to be processed by your liver. If it's not processed, it turns into basically sugar and sugar turns into fat. There you go. So, And you, if you drink two litres of alcohol, like pure alcohol, yes. your liver's not processing that in one <laughs> no. session. So you're going to be turning to that be, into fat. To be fair, so, in this anyway, movie, he, he wasn't concerned about dying. No, he wasn't. And, and and also, to be fair, actually, in the movie, he does do a, a shitload of physical exercise. So, mm. you know, maybe I'm wrong. If Mate. you're, a, you know, a biologist out Frank there. Frank Grillo, did you drink two bottles <laughs> of rice wine? I'm assuming right. it's water he drank after he did his shirtless scenes. <laughs> if not before, that's wrong. Shirtless scenes first. Okay, so tell me, though, and this is the big one. Hope, warning, or experiment? I found this a tough question, sorry. And mm. so if you're out there, I'd be interested to know what uh, listeners think. Uh, but I'm, I'm going to lean into the warning and my re- being that it's a bit of a cautionary tale, this one. And I guess because it's the way I looked at it was the character played by Naomi Watts. She has taken this myth and then turned, you know, used science to create the machine, the time loop machine. Uh, And realistically, the result, even though the result is she wants to then destroy the machine, I guess. Yeah. That's sort of right. She wants to destroy the people that have sort of hired her to do the machine. To me, it's like, yeah, well, it ends up not being a very good, nice loop for Frank. (laughs) And it just... Yeah, I, so I kind of saw it as, well, this is an experiment, a what-if of making this myth come into reality and, and then warning. the repercussions, so it should be a warning. Yes, a warning. Yeah. That's that's fascinating. That's my that's my take on it. Yeah. Is it the first time you've seen this film? It is, yeah. I had not seen this film. I think you'd spoken to me a little bit about it. That's all I really knew. I might have seen the trailer, you know, as it pops across on Netflix. Um, so when we decided to do it, I really went in cold watching it. How about yourself? Uh, it's the second time I've seen it. Yep. And the reason I thought it would be great for Space Brains is because it has a, a story structure that's obvious. You can spot where midpoint happens. You can yep. spot where there's in, inflections and all those. But they've, again, done it in a somewhat creative way. Like yeah, they have. You start looking at, and we'll get into it more, but you know, some of these beats are going the 
opposite direction to what you'd expect them to go in. Yeah. But and, but from a perspective, they aren't. Yeah. yeah. And, and I mean, the old adage in storytelling, filmmaking of, uh, you know, same but different. Mm. This is a good thing if you want to sell a story. I've always been told the same same story but slightly different. And so this one, you know, the, the structure of this, you could walk into a room and go, hey, do you know Groundhog Day? Mm. And the person goes, yeah, I know Groundhog Day. You go, whoa, imagine if it's a guy that gets murdered at the yeah. start of every day. And yes. they're like, oh, okay. Yeah, so, I get, so straight away you can kind of you can imagine it. And it, that's that Blake Schneider, like, pitch into a caveman idea. So but- to me it's like they've taken that that narrative structure of mm. a loop you know we've all seen those films and and those stories since Groundhog Day there's numerous of them and so you straight away you can go I get it you know I get yeah. what this story is about and so you settle in and you go yeah I want to know and they do do it a little bit differently in here and we'll come to that when we get into the yeah, narrative. Yeah the other thing I really like about watching this a second time around is the first time around I saw the movie as just a an action comedy mm. and and we'll, when we get to the ending, we'll talk a bit about the ending. Mm. The second time around, because I, I, I sort of knew how it developed yeah. and where it ends, I saw it as a I saw a more philosophical side to it as well, which was very interesting. And and we'll talk about the ending when we get to it because it's controversial. And there's actually two endings. Ooh, two one, endings. One that uh, I have not seen. Oh. And, and the one that's been uh, on Netflix. Ooh, so apparently okay. the one on Hulu was a different cut. Ooh, okay. So it's like it's a little bit longer. Right. But uh, we'll, we'll get to that. Why is this boss level a science fiction film? Sorry. Science fiction film. It is taking a, interestingly enough, it's um, psychological or maybe sociological science in this one. Mm-hmm. I believe it is sort of an exploration of learning from the past and learning how to grow mm. and be, you know, sort of in charge of your life and your, yeah. you know, repairing things, this this sort of process of human personal development. But that would be easy to do, wouldn't it? Yeah. So, and, and often it's kind of difficult. So let's make it really obvious and a little bit more relatable and relevant to you know, modern computerized worlds hmm. and younger people, I suppose, yeah. a bit more accessible by amping it up to a thousand, literally making it a looping thing, hmm. which Groundhog Day sort of was, but Groundhog Day was more so that romance aspect. Yeah, totally, yeah. And this is more of a personal growth aspect. Yeah. And so they've they've used science fiction to be able to really bring this, well, it's almost a parable. Um, it is a parable, isn't it? Yeah. Up to... You know, 110%, mm. dial it up to 11, as it were. Yeah, and I mean, Groundhog Day, just to kind of compare the two, Groundhog Day, there is no science, like, to explain it. No, it? no, there's, there's no that, exploration of that. You know, there's this day and it's, so it's, it's there's fantasy, really. The, there's, yeah. the belief is put on it, it to the audience. That, never an explanation uh, never as to what even yeah. might be happening. Whereas this... There is the science. So even yeah. though it's based on a, you know, this myth, this Egyptian myth, there is actually still the science in the story. And that's the interesting thing because machine. it also does explore. So it explores <clears throat> that really obvious, uh, well, really obvious, the the straightforward sort of um, personal growth aspect. Yeah. But it also is that what if, well, what if we could do this on purpose? Yeah. You know, what if we could Groundhog Day on purpose? You know, what could we do with that? And Colonel Ventner, the uh, Mel Gibson's, crazy ass character 
puts forward a, a couple of ideas uh, of what, you know, I, I assume this is a, a well-rehearsed speech he has. I think Roy in the movie mentions it. It must be well-rehearsed because <laughs> he says it the same every time. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a way of justifying his um, mm-hmm. processes, his means. Oh, yeah. And... Well, no one's a bad guy, right? Uh, yeah. Just their own version of it. Like, well, you know, because he's, he's had to, he's had to, you know, do whatever he has to do to rationalise it. And yep. if from an, if from a certain point of view, it does make sense. It does. Like it does make sense that he's so paranoid because, yeah, if that got into the wrong hands, like if um, if it wasn't Roy who got put into it, let's say it was someone who was far more nefarious yeah, in yeah. their purposes, mm-hmm. then yeah, you could imagine that. They could you know, in one day. You can do a lot in one day. Yeah. Who said that last? In time, wasn't it? In time, yeah. Yeah, you can <laughs> you can do a lot in one day, and particularly because if you know that you can just keep redoing it, you know, you can you can get a fair way. Majorly, and um, yeah, uh, Roy proves that in this story, doesn't yeah. he? Because that, and that's the whole point when he does confront the colonel. It's yeah, he's like, hang on, how have you gotten in here? You know, like, you can't have gotten in here. There's yeah. too many defence mechanisms. You know, there must be a bypass system somewhere, right? Oh, the bypass is that you're you're the one repeating this. Yes, you know, yeah, oh, it works. Woo. It works. <laughs> Real, I like that he does, sorry, going off, but I do like in that there's that scene where he's kind of shot and... Um, this is later in the film. He, 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 Roy shoots the colonel a couple of times, I think, and he's like, ah, yeah. oh, and he's having that realisation. I just kind of thought that was a really nice touch. Like he's like, ah, oh, you're the one in the It's you. She put you in this thing. Mm. Right, I get it. And then he's like, shoots him a couple more times. You know? I yeah. did like that. That was kind of some good comedy action scenarios. Yeah, it's, it's pretty good. It's some nice one-liners. I'd like to see Frank get a few more of, of this level of um, you know, action comedies. I think he'd be quite good. Yeah, no. you know, it's it's a tough. So I mean, I think on one side of the fence, I, I do want to say just as a, on a personal thing as well that, oh, that I watched this and I thought teenage Mark. Like if I went back, if I went into a time loop back yes, to oh, teenage yes. Mark, this would be the kind. Maybe around the age of twelve, thirteen, I would have just loved this film. Like this would have really ticked a lot of my boxes. Even though at that age, I was starting to get into a, some you know, the hardcore horror stuff, Friday the 13th things, this type of action with a bit of comedy, a little bit more, there's there's still substance in the story, but, you know, Mm. because he's trying to, the loop is only really what, you know, like the loop's kind of a trick, isn't it, really? Like the substance of the story, he's trying to figure out, you know, why is he stuck in this loop? But actually there's the bigger picture of him and his son, you know, and the son experience. So... You know, and, and and realistically, I think as a teenager, I might not have even picked up. But really, the Colonel's only like a pawn in the story, really. Isn't mm, it? I, I like it. He seems like you get the idea. This whole <laughs> boss level is referring to finally reaching yeah, the boss. The boss level, and as it turns out, he just like shoots him. Yeah, he just kills him. Kills you know, him so. over and over again yeah. as he tries to get through. And that's that's not the boss level part of it. Yeah. So, what's one uh, science fiction or creative thing that Mister Surrey is up to at the moment? Uh, well, it's, if any. Well, yeah, this, <laughs> this past week I was sick and oh, not doing much boom. of anything. So I was playing some computer games because um, trying to trying to think of anything else yes. is just about impossible. Yeah. Well, that's your rest and restore, right? It is. It so, is. You, you've got to do that when you're sick. You don't yeah. don't expect too much from you. I, I didn't yeah. get to go to the gym. I didn't. Uh, I even skipped a day of work. Yeah. <sighs> 
Yeah, I know that doesn't happen. <laughs> I, my last job, I ended with 40 sick days <laughs> available. Such a waste. You can, I know. <laughs> you don't take them with you. Like, no, that's right. Um, and so, you're probably fine because I've, I've found that working from home, you're less likely to have a sick day, right? Well, I really do. I absolutely. really think. Well, the thing is if I've just got a bit of a, a cough and a sniffle. It's not a big deal, right? I don't need to stay like yeah. stop working for that. It was, the reason I stopped working was because the night prior I hadn't slept at all because of my yeah. cold. Yeah. And so that whole day I was just so foggy and, yeah. you know, totally lacking sleep that it was just yeah. pointless. Yeah, yeah. And, and the very next day I sort of did the first half of the day because I had to get a bit of work. There was something I sort of I yeah, had to, to do. Well, I didn't have to get it done, but I really want to get it done before yeah. the weekend. Yes. And then at yeah, about 2 o'clock on the Friday afternoon, I just went, no, nah, I'm yeah, done. done. <laughs> I'm packing so, in. so in this haze of illness, was there any creative juices flowing out of the, playing the computer games or anything? Anything tickly? Sometimes Not in those illness oddly zones, enough, oddly enough, you can I was, have an idea. Yeah, just, just totally wasted. Yeah, right. Oh, just, it was a go. real shame. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like to say that I'm just always constantly sparking, but yeah. I'm just not. No. Sometimes when you're sick, because that's the thing I've found, sometimes, not all the time, but you can be sick and it's almost like an idea can hit you. Mm. And then it's almost it's like, oh, but I'm so tired and that I can't really do much with yeah, it. Yeah, I know. It's a shame. Yeah. I, I, I suppose I did think more about like running some uh, course. I, I came across a courses, so lessons. In particular, I've, I came across someone posting, talking about writing a book. Yep. And, you know, they're newbie and they're so like, well, how, how do I even do this? Like... How do you know how many pages? How do you get the yeah. pages and, you know, like Formatting every, and everything? How yeah. do you write and make a book? Yep. And I thought, I've actually documented all of that because I had that exact same struggle. Mm. And so when doing it, I documented everything, the font, sizing, mm. spacing, uh, had software to download, yep. how to, set, you know, I've got screenshots of all the configuration required. And I thought, yeah, I... That sounds like that would be a really useful thing. People would pay me money for me to tell them like exactly how to make a book that looks yep. like a real life book. I think so. I mean, after that, you can obviously be creative yourself, but yeah. there's, it, this will answer the question that I had was what font do you use? And I, I've typed that into Google and there's just a plethora of answers of people saying it depends and what are your goals? And he said, no, what font? If I open a book in the bookshop, there's a font. Yeah. What is it? And they're just like, Phew. so I've got that answer. Mm. I, I can't remember off the top of my head, as I'll tell you. <laughs> and, you know, the font size and what effect that has on yeah. number of pages according to the formatting. And so I've got all of that in a, a, a book. I was writing a book about it, uh, but I thought, you know, that'd be a good presentation. Yeah. So I did, I did sort of think of that, yeah. Awesome. Don't know when I'd do that, but, you know, someone, people need to hear it. Yeah, there's those platforms where you can have lessons and stuff. So yeah, I'd, I make think money I'd, from. I'd probably want to do some in-person stuff to yeah, right. to workshop it, and make sure it really works out. Yeah, but fair you know, we'll see. Awesome. And Very yourself? Uh, I am just really slowly. I think last time I was talking about creative recovery. I'm still in creative recovery oh, mode. I'm doing the artist way, so I'm sort of pushing through that slowly. Your, your low. Cost to make film, I yeah, but then that so so there's the creative recovery, and then there's also, but I, I do have this idea percolating, and I'm as I'm doing my sort of morning writing ritual that I do, I'm ideas and beats and little kind of things are coming to me. And the other day, like, because uh, quite often I do that writing with just you know, a background music in my headphones because the kids make lots of noises, it's 
5am in the morning. Bloody kids can't put them anywhere. And so I've got on anyway. There was some sort of weird mix of music coming through that I hadn't picked. And suddenly dawned on me that one of the songs came on. I'm like, oh, that sounds like that would be the music of my protagonist. Mm. That would be the music that she would be into. And so I kind of like wrote, you know, like I was like, well, what song is that? <laughs> it's not my kind of music. And so I wrote that song down. I'm like, yeah. So when I'm ready to write more about her or the dialogue when I sort of get closer to actually wanting to write the script and be like, okay, I need to put that song on, you know, to hear her. Like this would be the song that she would dance to. Mm. So, um, yeah, no, but it's coming coming to me and there's beats and characterizations and twists and plot points and, yeah, all those kind of things. So, yeah, I've got my beat board up, not an official uh, beat board as in the 40 beats but just as in... It, it, the beat board, pin board, I've already divided into the, you know, the four beats, the four twenty-five shots. So it's like, but I'm just kind of going, okay, well, that would be a fun and game and that would be a climax, mm. you know. So just as they come to me, but it's not quite uh, logistically put properly. Oh, that's a good way to do it because I've, I've tried <laughs> um, various sort of models for yep. trying to put together a plot yep. because you watch a movie like this or whatever and you've got to think that it's, took a while for someone to come up with you know what needs to be in each and how how many shots do you need to establish that uh, Roy is this type of character yeah how many shots do you need and, and what sort of thing what sort of events could you portray to demonstrate yeah. his relationship with his wife and it, it, it's it would be easy to try to just go through one by one and get it done and I've, and I've tried that and you end up it's short. Yeah. It comes up short, you know, and you sort of, but then you're left going, ah, oh, but this, the story works. Yeah. But it's just not long enough. Yes. It doesn't have enough in there. <laughs> and you see, so you sit there going, you got to fill and, in some and other I've, bits. And I've, again, on these writing forums, I've seen people go, how do you write the in between bits? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you sort of go, well, there's not really such a thing as an in between bit. No, there shouldn't be really. You've That's gone, you've, you've gone through without enough you know, scenes to demonstrate each of your yeah. points is, is the yeah, problem. Yeah. And I'm thinking, you know, the way you're doing it, there's it's maybe a better way of doing it as in you go, oh, this would be a fun and game scene. And then you're going to end up with like, here's 20 things which, yeah, you know, do the, the premise, which allow the reader or the viewer or whatever to explore the world and, and feel like they've gotten their money's worth. Yep. But actually I only need, I don't need 20 because that's going to be way too long. Yeah, yeah. So let's bring that down to six yeah. Or something, you know, like, and then you, so you can pick it, you can, you so pick, you're doing you, there a case of winnowing down. That's right. Yeah. Killing your darlings, as it were, yeah. rather than trying to find space to grow something where yeah. if you do, you've just disrupted the plot, that's you know, right. type of thing. So, I mean, I'm following a bit of advice from a couple of particular teachers, Blake Schneider and Robin McKee and stuff. But again, there's loads and loads of writers, like actual writers, Quentin Tarantino, um, you know, et cetera, out there that, Christopher Nolan and yeah, everyone has their own process. So I don't think there's a winning formula, but this beat board idea works for me. Mm. So then it's something that works well, but then separately, I think all it really is doing is demonstrating, you know, you are, like you just said, putting some ideas on the table and then kind of basically scrapping out ideas. Yeah. So deleting the bad ideas, right? Or, and so or that's, merging them because that's, that's yeah, something. Yeah, or merging them, yeah, because you might go, actually, those two could be in a scene together and suddenly that's now a much more powerful scene. Like that's the other thing. You might have seen 
oh, the character would be in a coffee shop and this would happen and then they go to the library and this happens and then they go to the... And you go, hang on, all of that could happen in the coffee shop and yeah. suddenly it's a more powerful A scene. coffee shop in a library. <laughs> That's right. That's right, right? So, yeah. like, you, you, so you're just kind of culling it down. And I will say a lot of uh, writers that are working writers, if, you, know, you can look at all these sort of videos online um, when they've been interviewed, a lot do talk about that process of having a page and then the page gets culled down to a paragraph, you know, mm. like, and I think that's all it's really doing. Like you really just like get into the bones of the beat yeah. and then you build back, you know. Um, and I, actually I do just want to say Tarantino, I saw this little video. I think I shared it on my Instagram. So not the Space Brains one, Mark, the Mark one. And um, uh, he was saying that he basically, you know, writes all day, so that's a big thing. Like, it takes him all day long to write and then he, when he feels he's had enough and maybe now at 6 o'clock at night he's stopped, he has his dinner, he relaxes, he's got a pool, so he's like, lies in his pool and relaxes and, you know, whatever it is for him. But then he might, while he's relaxing, he kind of thinks, oh, you know, how else could I make that scene even more toxic or more powerful or more violent or how could I raise that stake on the character now? Mm. You know, so he's worked on a scene all day, for example, but now he's even thinking, what's the next, what else could I throw at that character? And and he might come up with a few ideas and so he jots them down. He doesn't go back to writing that day. That's then his job tomorrow. You know what I mean? Yeah. So then he wakes up the next day and he's like, Oh, last night I wrote down these eight things that I could chuck in that scene. Yeah, I like number two and I like number four and, okay, how can I put them in that scene, you know? And so I think it is just a process of editing um, and a script novel is quite a big project. So any way that you can break it down and it helps you do it, Mm. you know, because it means if it gets it done, why not? Yeah. So, yeah, that's what I've been working on. Um, the other thing that we want to also give a good old plug to is the Space Brains Film Festival happening again. So we had the inaugural one, 2022. There will be another one happening mid-2023. June. Yep. Yep. So now's the time to get cracking. You can already submit your film. We've had some come through. We've had music clips. We've had short films. Uh, we've had a couple of features. Some animations. So, Yep, so there's a pretty similar categories to what we had this year. We haven't varied it drastically at all. There's a Mandra category, so if you're local, get cracking. Uh, if you're in Perth or the surrounding Western Australia, there's there's that category as well. And, of course, there's an international category, so there's plenty of options. But now is the time to get filming and submitting. Absolutely. I would, but I'm not allowed to. No, this is the thing. <laughs> Apparently, it would be conflict of interest or yes, some such. Yes, that's right. So ten, uh, my wife and I went to the Rock the Boat Film Festival Gala Awards Night the other night and, um, you know, we kind of were talking to each other on the journey home going, well, you know, the thing is, this is great for Rockingham people. We don't live in Rockingham. We live in Mandra. So it's good for the Rockingham surrounding area. So I'm not sure if we could enter a film in that competition. I'm not, I don't actually know. But then it's like if we would – it's a shame Mandra doesn't have this. But really the only way that something like this is going to happen in Mandra is probably if we ran it. Yes. <laughs> Which is the same as Space Brains. It's like, but then we can't enter it. <laughs> so, well. Yeah, I unless know. we just do, we do the Surrey Mark category. Oh, and the award for this one goes to Surrey. Surrey, I loved your film. The best Surrey and Mark <laughs> film for that's this right. festival so, was between Mark and Surrey. Sorry, that's right. And, and the uh, Surrey and Mark one. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, we're, but we're probably. 
I don't know if we're that narcissistic. Comical? <laughs> you went comical? Are I we, went Are we comical parodies of ourselves, really? Probably. Already? Probably. We probably could, I suppose. We could take the limelight, couldn't we? Anyway. Let's get into boss level. As I said, teenage Mark would have loved this. If you're a teenage boy listening out there, I'm sure you would love it. Um, but it is really suitable for a whole run, bunch of ages. It's a type of film that doesn't take itself too seriously. No. Um, I'm glad to hear you on a second viewing, sorry, kind of maybe got a bit more deep and meaningful oh, with it. The second viewing, actually, I'm really glad I did. It, I, I got a bunch more yeah. out of it like because I, I knew yeah, where you knew the where it was. was. Going. Yeah. Um, I was paying more attention to yeah some of the other things that were being said and mm. and and the meaning behind some of the um, scenes and so forth. So the version you've seen is the Netflix version, yes. right? Which is the same as I. I did look at this on Wikipedia. Now that you're saying it, and so and we will talk about it here with the box office, but I know that there's a bit of controversy around this film because there is an edited version another edited version and the company that did the edit is actually suing this company that made this film mm. because apparently they didn't get the they didn't get a chunk of the money that Hulu paid for oh, the film yeah, 11 so, million dollars whatever it was <laughs> yeah so so there's sort of yeah, I don't look. I don't know the deals around. I don't know who's responsible for that. You know, it's in the courts, whatever. But there is so there is a bit of so when I read that, I was like, oh, okay, but yeah. So now that you're saying that, there's two versions or two endings. Mm, yes. Interesting. So it was um, directed by Joe Carnahan, who also wrote the screenplay with Chris Bory and Eddie Bory. I would presume some sort of brothers, sisters, brother sister. Yeah, we don't, know, <laughs> don't know what that Chris is. Um, they've got a connection to another sci-fi film, the Bory f- brothers, sister, friends, family, people. Um, they wrote a film with Shatla Coppola in it. Oh, oh yes. Open a, Grave. Yeah, very favourite Sh- yeah, Shatla. we love Shatla. Shatla, yes. <laughs> we love him. So, uh, yeah, we should check, maybe check that out. I don't know if it is 100% sci-fi. It sounds a bit more horror. And, uh, yeah, and with Joe. Joe has made quite a few feature films over the last uh, 15 years and a, a bunch of big sort of action TV uh, films. So he's a, he's a regular and he's got more projects coming out in the near future. Frank Grillo, we saw him in Occupation, didn't we? Occupation Rainfall. Was he? Oh, yes, yeah, he was. He Frank, Frank Grillo's in that. Yeah. Um, he was also in Cosmic Sin. Yeah, Cosmic Sin was the other one, yeah. So we're, we're familiar is, to Frank's work. Is he in work. Deadpool? Okay. Deadpool yeah, right. 2, I think he's... he's. Um, I haven't seen it, so... he's He plays Wonder Woman. <laughs> I don't okay, know. Okay. I'm pretending to know something about yeah, uh, you, you know superhero movies. And it's always a pleasure to see Mel Gibson. I know there's a lot of controversy around Mel and his rant a few years ago, but look, playing a bad guy, this is what he does, doesn't he? This is he, great. He makes a good bad guy. I've seen him in a couple of films now where he's he's got these, you know, Beard, salt and pepper beard going on. He's, he's looking very intense. The thing with Mel is, no matter what he, his personal beliefs are, the thing with Mel, I always find like he's one of those actors that it's just there's stuff going on in the face and the mm. eyes, which is what acting's all about. And so, even in a film like this, where it's sort of an action comedy, you know, not ta- as I said, not taking itself too seriously, a guy like Mel just still comes in and just delivers like it's there's a role there that he just 
it, it looks like he, he he comes across like he's this bloody colonel. Well, you know, he like tells that story about yeah, the being snake, in the snake and, and the you're pig. Like, yeah, and it's a very actually quite engaging story. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's, oddly enough, it's a um, the whole scene really is just establishing a bit of stakes for the woman. Like, you know, mm. it's building up to the fact that he's going to kill her. Yeah, and establishing him as a bad guy and. Yeah, yeah, so on, and, and it's a fairly long sort of story that he yeah. tells, but I found it quite engaging because yeah. I had forgotten how it ends as well. <laughs> so I was watching it again. Go, oh, it's like he's Mel Gibson is quite a good storyteller. He is, he's great. So him and Naomi Watts uh, plays Gemma Wells, uh, the ex girlfriend. Mother of the boy, um, Annabelle Wallace plays Alice, and good old Ken Jeong as Chef Jake. He was in Rainfall too. He was in Rainfall as well. <laughs> uh, it's filmed in the United States. Uh, had a pretty healthy budget of forty-five million dollars. The box office numbers seem to be very low. Sorry, at two million dollars, it's not a good return on investment. However. Yeah. I saw Hulu this going straight. This very rapidly buy, went, yeah. went to streaming. So we did see that Hulu bought the rights for eleven point five million. Still, those numbers are that's not the greatest return on investment, but is it? So if you're saying no. like maybe fourteen, fifteen mil when it costs forty five, yeah, and it's not a great. It's going to be a little bit of extra here and there, but yeah, forty five million, like you know, it's it's pretty expensive. Yeah. So anyway. And I want to say overall the whole movie felt like a computer game. I kept expecting, sorry, I don't know if you expected this on the first viewing, I sort of expected that maybe this was a computer game. Yeah, it has that feeling. Like, of, like the whole thing is presented as a computer game yeah. with a retry, but I I, I think it was just trying to draw the analogy to I think life. So, yeah. yeah. Life being a computer game. For example, when he dies, we don't know it. Uh, until the very end, but you've seen the inside of the spindle, but yeah. what we see is like swirling lights. You'll notice in the center, it's a lot like the loading little swirling logo yeah, yeah, yeah. that you get when a screen is loading in mm. a computer game or something. And yeah. then it's like, it starts back at the beginning of the level again. I, I, I agree. I think the whole thing is supposed to be like a, a metaphor analogy of a computer game. It just, I think they've, I just want to kind of describe the visuals and the feel of the film. It's it's like it's a video game. But it, even it, it is you, because it, it goes through each of these characters. Like so, he yeah. he fights the first machete guy, yeah, and then there's like the helicopter set piece, yeah, and then he has the he has to fight the each of the assassins are all very unique characters. Yeah, you know, they they've are. got the two women in the minivan, yeah, and then the the little bomber, yeah, boy as he calls him, <laughs> the little the kaboom, the samurai, and, you know, fighter, and, the, the and samurai. Yeah, well, no, the, that would be Japanese. Uh, so yeah, I'm not here for a yeah, race lesson. I'm yeah. here for a, a sword. You and know. the colonel is kind of like a colonel. You know what I mean? It's that extremity, isn't mm. it? He's cigar smoking colonel that you yeah. might see in a computer game. And um, and the guy, the tra- they're they're almost like stereotype. I don't know. Maybe not stereotypes. They're almost like cliches of 1980s. Well, you know, they could be your, in Street Fighter, couldn't yeah, they? You know, like the characters from them. Because in Street Fighter, you've got Ryu and Ken, yeah. or are they the same? Was like, but one of them has just like got a white key, yeah. uh, and the other one's got the red one. Yeah, but they're both the, the same. <laughs> the two are. different characters, yeah. and this you've got Roy and Roy too. Yeah, that's right. And, and you know, then you've got the the uh, twins as well, the, the hillbilly twi- guy, yeah. and then you got. Like the German, black German twins, yeah. which is new because you'd expect them to be tall and blonde, but yeah. no, they're actually black and bald. Yeah. And 
<laughs> so there, yeah. so it just felt like, and it felt like a little bit, I guess, nineteen eighties. I mean, we said Predator, nineteen eighties action films, you know, as well. That it did have that thing that explosions, jumping, and yeah. crashing. Hey, and and the fact of everything you talked about, Frank being so jacked up, you know, I mean, that's kind of 1980s is that he's so jacked. Oh, and, yeah. and like when they do the scene where he does Street Fighter with his son and they stand up, you know, and they do yeah. the salute, I'm like, Frank, you're like the Street Fighter guy. Yeah. Like you are like those characters. They're jacked up like anything and you look jacked up, you yeah. know. So I, I don't mean it in a bad way. I just mean that it did feel like the whole vibe of it felt it was a bit extreme i suppose a little bit i saw similarities to something maybe like the truman show yeah um where it is a tv studio so i was kind of it felt like oh are we in a fake world you know like is this sort of like a built world and and then separately or something like um last action hero you know where we arnie is the hero in the movie not police officer you know crossing those narrative lines and Mm. Um, but what I liked about that, but for me, and we've done the spoiler, is of course that's not what the f- that isn't the film, and it is supposed to be real, and he's on this time loop, and so. But what it, what I liked is I kept thinking, oh, is this is it going to turn out that it's a game? You know, is he going to wake up and he's locked into a machine, and mm. you know, the whole thing's been like a simulation? You know what I mean? So, I, but I liked that. I liked that. I was thinking that. You know, it's keeping me interested. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, I guess. Well, let's. Move on then to the, um, the analysis here of plot. of this, so that we can get into some of these yeah. points that that come up and definitely talk about some of the symbols in each of the scenes and whatever. Yep. So we like to break down our films by uh, you know into the three act structure and we follow some plot points, some beats, if you like. Just often you're you know, picked up by a number of storytelling teachers. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we well. I'm going to say them incorrectly. Campbell, Snyder, McKean, Field. <laughs> no, that's the same. That's, that's right. Yes. Okay. Uh, we have Act One. How about, Mark, you tell us what Act One's about? So really just the beginning, set up, who the people are, where are we, um, what's happening, what's the problem. And the base point there is what is the character, you know, who is this character, and what's their problem, I guess, and, and how they're going to overcome that. There's a great moment called the catalyst or the inciting incident, but basically something has to happen pretty early in the film where it changes everything, you know, and mm. the character, and what's important is the character has to debate that and then choose to go on that journey to, you know, try to solve it. So let's, for example, say that, They've come out of university and they're applying for jobs and they find the perfect job, you know, a really well-paying job that no university student ever gets, you know, um, but the only way to get it is to lie on their resume, you know. So they've they've decided to lie on their resume to get the job and that's the important part. So something happens to the character, turns the world a bit upside down, they have to decide to go down that path, there's a bit of a debate. And once they make that decision, it fangs us into Act 2. Act 2, because this is where we get to have the fun and the games, Mm -hmm. so-called, because if we're going to say that Act 1 sets up the premise, uh, as in, you know, they're they're lying to get into a job, then Act 2, we're going to expect to see how they do in that job and they're in the job now. How they manage (laughs) to pull that lie off. Yeah, that's right. You know, and the lie continues. And there will be presumably 
I'm going to say this is a comedy yeah. a bit here. We're going to maybe a rom-com even. Yeah. So we might have a B story come into it. So at the job, the guy meets a nice guy that yeah. he likes. Yeah. And then it's, you know, it moves along and finds out, um, you know, that the guy he likes, likes his other friend. And so you get a triangle going on. Yeah. And, and he really doesn't like liars. And he hates liars. That's right, see? He, he, he says, be true to yourself is That's what he's right. saying. The whole he's, time he's telling him. He's preaching it. He, he's preaching and so, But the first part of Act 2 is it's going to be that sort of fun period. Yeah, fun of where, the fun of the lie. Where people, oh, is he going to get caught out? No, That's he right. managed to get away with the lie yeah. this time and it builds up. To and the, the job's great. The job's great. He, he reaches a midpoint and the midpoint uh, is where he gets caught out oh, in no. a lie. He thinks he's just secured that job. Uh, promotion yep. or the client or whatever it is and then he gets caught out in his lie mm. oh, and yeah. everything starts unraveling from yeah. that point. Crumbles. So it's a midpoint in the movie which means that we've, we've got that sort of build up and now we're going to have a, you know, a bit of a letdown mm. so that we can have a finale which, which picks us back up again. Yep. Uh, we get the bad guys closing in so, you know... Um, the boss knows. Bad things, yeah, more bad things start happening. The boyfriend knows. More more, more people start finding out. Yeah. The, um, All the stuff he did with the, the lot of money that he got in the job. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> now the credit card's owed. The credit card's... Uh, it turns yeah. out he was lying on more applications yeah, that's for, right. for car loans and things. Yeah. Uh, and then it gets down to that bottom... Like, we, we need to hit rock bottom. We need to reach that point where it's basically time to give up. Yeah. Uh, everything has just got totally gone. Yeah. This poor old guy, he just told one little line his resume. Like, we all do. Till, no, we now he's, have ne- he's never going to work again line. now, sorry. It's, he's done. <laughs> he's done. He's done. He's, his dream job is he's done. He's blown his one chance. Mm. Didn't even get the mum's spaghetti. No. And, um, and that's, that's nice. So that's sort of the end <laughs> there. Nice. We usually get like this death, either death literal, no idea, as in... Yeah. Like the B character, the, the B story might die. Yeah. This is not uncommon. No. Um, or, you know, it could just be the death of the dream as in uh, he's being, maybe it was a, a lawyer job and he's being, he's going to be disbarred. Yeah. Which means, I, I think that means that you can't act yeah. as a lawyer yep. anymore, like a... Yep. A I believe court so. lawyer. Yeah. I think you can probably still be a now, in a, a movie. Lead, yeah, he like, wouldn't be allowed to be a lawyer. It's again. Basically, his whole career is shot. <laughs> That's it. It's and done. and he's he's out. Yeah. Um. But 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 Act Three comes along. Yeah, what happens? And, and well, to get into it, so he's from that bottom point to get to Act Three. He's got to formulate mm. some sort of idea to get back into law. Right. Back in the game. Back in the game. And so. Just when all the chips were down, he's thought up some sort of new idea and so he's got to gather those resources, you know, formulate the the fruit of the idea. Um, Maybe in this context it's realising he has to just be totally honest and he is totally honest and so even though he was disbarred, if he's just completely honest about it, some other little law firm... Uh, is willing to take him on as mm. the assistant or something, you know, so he can still do it. He can still be in the law but not be a lawyer or something like that. And so he's got it, you know, he gathers the resources and he gets his thing happening and, um, you know, they quite often execute that plan and things are looking okay but then, no, then they're not. So yeah. things all, the plan falls apart, the resources don't work, that law firm was actually lying to him, it was a scam. And so, and so he's realised that the only way forward is to be totally honest and truthful and 
and put himself out. I don't know where this story is going. No, I, <laughs> I, feel like it's, I feel like it's running out of legs. We need that beat board, actually. But basically, you know, all, all his plan is come undone. And in that moment, it's like, okay, one more oomph at the finish line. And um, he realised he never wanted to be a lawyer. He actually wants to be a barista and he sells the best coffee to lawyers in town or something oh, like that. Yes. Yeah, actually, that does happen sometimes, doesn't it, in those type of films? It's like, they, like they, he would set up a coffee shop called The Firm. The Firm. Or something like that, the, right? The frothy or Firm. Prosa but... Coffee. <laughs> <laughs> or something, you know what I mean? Like, you know, or Judge Judgment Coffee or I don't know, something. Ga- gavel, Gavel... Cappuccino, I don't know. Smash this coffee in your face with <laughs> a gavel. Right. Yeah, I don't know. Something, along Something those like ones. that. You know one of those little hipster coffee vans out the front of the uh, law firm and he never wanted to be a lawyer and it's the best damn coffee and that, there's truth in that. There's so, truth. Something like that. So the whole point of the film would be telling the telling the truth. So um, as a writer, come up with that ending for us. <laughs> and so you quite often that's what happens at the end. Once you once they've overcome, he's now a coffee, he's a barista, he's running his own little barista things for coffee for lawyers. Um, and you know, that's a success. And oh, you know the, the great truth. thing here. You could have the opening image, him studying his law books at a cafe, that's really right. yeah. appreciating the coffee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like like yeah. drink the coffee and goes, that's pretty good. I where where this coffee come from? How do I like? And he's getting yeah, info, yeah. and but that's just kind of thrown away. And at the very end, you got you cut back to him. He's sitting there, and he's got some books in front of him, but they're now like um, coffee sourcing books. Yeah. And he's drinking the coffee, and it pulls back. And now yeah, he's the shot. owner of the he's coffee. The of the, yeah, yeah, that would, that's it. Book ended done. There's your book end sold. Uh, just, Where's Hollywood? <laughs> just get a bit of content in the middle there. That's fine. Yeah. No worries. And just in case you realise this is a science fiction uh, podcast and so maybe we need to chuck some sci-fi in this whole The coffee, coffee. is nanomachines and it turns <laughs> so, them into purple goop. There we go. Uh, so, yeah, and we get that final image. So that's the three-act structure. Good way to apply it to feature films and uh, novels, for example. And that's what we like to break down into some bits. So, boss level, how did this film start? Sorry? Uh, so, this was machete. unusual <laughs> because it, it starts off with sort of computer game music, doesn't it? This, that's right, yeah. 8-bit uh, music. Yeah. Like Mario Brothers type stuff. Mm-hmm. And then it has like this little select your player. Yeah. Yeah. But I really like the the real opening image. I think was a watch, so yeah. time, time on, and it was waving on a lucky cat's paw. Lucky cat's paw, one of those awful things that yeah. continues to go around and around no matter what. And you know that's going to be the motive, isn't it? Right? Yeah, and and so that's that's straight up. And that could have just been the start of you know Back to the Future, really. Yeah. But then it it goes across a messy room. It's clearly, you know. There's a, a lot guy, of alcohol. A guy who's given up lives yeah. here. Yeah. And, yeah, there's there's bottles empty, there's stuff strewn about the place, there's yeah. messy um, bed and all that stuff. Yeah. And we see, of course, in the bed, um, you know, someone sneaking along, catches a phone before it goes out. That's right. And there's a bit of a voiceover and we get the feeling that it's um, – we don't realise it's going to be an assassin. No. We think it's him sort of sneaking along trying to maybe get out of – uh, a girl's house or something. Yep. But boom, we don't. No, there's a machete to the bed head, and the woman screams and runs away. And, uh, it becomes this, and it's this fight scene, and it's a, a funny one because it says, you know, it's attempt 141 or something or other. Yeah. So we're going straight in there. We already know it's, 
And he, he does, he says, get up, you know, put the socks on, you know, over, under the low-lying bridge or whatever it is, mm. oh, got to get some coffee. Uh, so many times I tried to do this without, you know, getting coffee. And yeah, he, yeah and he's just sort of nonchalant. There's this guy with a machete, he's like swing and swing, swing, swing. And he gets, makes the coffee. The whole time he's just sort of docking and dodging and he drinks the coffee slowly and mm. knocks the guy aside, gets shot by machine guns. And then we have this nice break from all that noise and violence and he's you know dodges carefully walking through the machine gun fire of the helicopter he's timed where it's going to hit and he jumps down behind his couch and he starts and goes quiet and there's this sort of slow motion bullets going past Mm. so life is hectic and dangerous but there he is looking at his wife's photo yeah and he has his voice over and this is where we we learn that yeah he's he has a wife or had a wife. Had a wife or partner or something, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and he, he kind of in the voiceover and the fact that, that the way he fought that guy and, as you just said, knew where almost all the bullets were going to go and he's so nonchalant about the fact there's massive amounts of machine gun firing on him that he, um, you know, he's been through this already a few times and, yes. he's, and he's used to it and he's more focused on that picture of his partner. It was all like classical music playing yeah. and- you know, which is that sort of peaceful. Mm. Where you'd expect a, a violent scene like that to have something a little bit more hardcore. Yeah. He explains to us that he's he, he then like jumps at. Oh no! He the alarm goes off on his watch. He goes, "Oh shit, that's right." Yep. And he leaps out the window. Yep. Into a passing truck. That's right. Yeah, and and then steals a car. Car. Um. Oh, what is it called? Mustang. Yeah. Um, oh, hops carjacks. in that yeah. carjacks. That's the word I was looking for. Help! I'm being carjacked. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, fangs down the freeway, and then he's like, "Oh, um, Pam and Pam and Jody or Jody. <laughs> I can't remember. In the a minivan, and but it's you know, it's kind of like mums in a minivan, but they've got this machine gun hanging out the top of it and um, fanging around. And I guess this is where we get a bit of comedy because he goes, "Oh, I'm, I don't know why they're all chasing me. I don't know why they're killing me. They're trying to kill me, but they all are." And um, I just got to remember the bus. Have yeah. I remembered the Have bus? Have I told you the bus yet? And then he gets hit by the Kadoosh. bus and there's a great, you know, like this body goes slamming through the bus. Yeah, he goes through the, the window. I love it because he goes so cleanly through the yeah. window and lands in the aisle and yeah. then stands up and you think, oh, that's what he meant. It's yeah. like, oh, he doesn't like he, this bit because it's a bit harsh. Like, yeah. But he turns around and then just falls back down again dead. <laughs> His face is all bloody And up. that's where we get the first repeat. Yes. And this, this is where watching this the second time I, I noticed because I was, we're looking at that movie uh, Infinitum yeah. where there's those kind of flashes in between. Yeah. And so I was kind of curious about how this one did it because I, I didn't pay any attention to it the first time mm. I watched. Yeah. The second time I was watching it going, Actually, that swirl does look like a, a loading. Yeah. Key. You've, you've reset the level. It's going to reload you back to the start. Yeah. And off he goes again. Yes, definitely. So so we sort of have it again and, and realize that he explains in the second time that he doesn't get ever, he doesn't ever get past the 1247. Yeah, because he, um, he gets, what does he do? We get a... Um, uh, a between he kills an assassin, makes it to Chinatown. Yeah, he kind of like makes it to Chinatown, and it's cleverly done because all this kind of action is happening. But in fact, they're revealing those little like sort of pieces of mm. the story, aren't they? The fact yeah. that he's like, oh, he's in there and he's drinking heavily, and 
they're kind of, you know, Dave and, you know, so they're revealing bits, but there's enough sort of action around. Yeah. And the fact that the way he is, like, he's so uh, probably the best, the best, I can, like, he doesn't really care anymore, well, you know, this like, is he's a, given up. A lot like a video game as well. Cause I love there's a, like a top down view of him walking through traffic, and it's just like Frogger, if you, if you know yeah. that. Yeah, so, yeah. But he gets to the noodle bar, and it's. Too much like, um, you know, there's in computer games you often have, you know, the, the fight scene. Also, then you've got like an interlude in these yeah. adventure games. You, you know, you sit, you move into a, a room and there, there'll be three or four there's people. dialogue. Three or four people <laughs> that you can't talk to. They're just yeah. kind of in the background. But there'll always be a couple of characters you can click on. Yeah. And they'll, you know, like Dave, he's like, I'm a security expert. The best, best darn security <laughs> expert. And he likes to talk constantly about yeah. security experts. Yeah. And then he says, oh. That's, you know, Wei Feng or whatever her name was, yeah. Feng Hai or I can't remember what her name was, Michelle Yeoh, mm. who I love. Uh, she's like a world, you know, 12 times champion sword fighter. Mm. She's here, you know, over there. And he goes, oh, yeah. So you're sort of introduced to these characters, uh, which in a video game, they're, they're like the character. You know, you're going to have to do something with them. You're yeah, going to have yeah. to talk to them and get a clue important or some progress point. some yeah. part of the story. Uh, so I quite like that in this. Yeah, I like it. You're too. still following this computer game um, philosophy, if you like. Yeah. So we get all that, but then he gets killed again. Um, 1247. 1247. He's like, that. I can't get past that. And to me, this is where there's a catalyst, sorry, is that it's he visits his estranged wife, Gem, Gemma. At her lab, and yes. the idea is that he's kind of there with his CV, um, and he doesn't really care. And and so when he's doing that with that visit to me, this is the catalyst because it's sort of like this. It's a point oh. of difference in the story. Because I was and I was picking the the twelve forty seven. I've never made it past this point. Right. Yeah. I yeah. sort of thought. Ah, I want to see him get past this point. Yeah, well, obviously, if he gets past so, that, that's change in it. But the, and I, I, I sort of picked more the with Gemma is, you know, part of the catalyst, but going into debate, yeah. like yeah. why should you try to get past twelve forty seven? Yeah, what should yeah. you know, should you bother doing it at all? Yeah, well, I don't know. I think I, I felt like that was the catalyst because she's, you know, he's kind of in this different world. And I guess he did visit her the day before and his point is he, he actually does say, he goes, oh, why didn't I pay more attention the day before, you know, like because he's st- obviously been stuck in this mm. loop, you know, because yeah. refle- he kind of reflects on it because it's weirdly it's weirdly done, it, it's weirdly edited this part, isn't it? Because yeah. it's kind of like he's in that death loop and then all of a sudden he's w- with her the day before. Yeah. And and it, I can't remember. It did write up something weird like the day before yesterday, or I don't know. I don't know. Or before attempts or something. I don't know. It did write up. I can't quite remember what the text was. Um, and I think here it's interesting because he he is a bit of a different character because he's kind of a bit loosey goosey. He's a little bit rude with her. He's like jo- like he's joking. She's really serious. Yeah. Um. There you can see how their relationship didn't really work out because he's quite a different person. Um. She also sort of like he's kind of like the drinking stuff from that scene that we see him drink the two bottles. She she implies he's been drinking a lot longer than that. You yeah. Know, and that there's women all the time, so it's like. Ah, uh, so he's not necessarily disenchanted because of the loop. He's already was disenchanted. Yeah, it was. It was when he 
Yeah, got, but it didn't really go into his war stories or no. anything. But it's, it's basically he was kept away because she mentions this. He says, oh, you know, work kept me away from you and Joe. Yeah. It says, work, you know, you love that more than you love being with us. Yeah, yeah. So clearly he, he hadn't grown up. Because watching this the second time, I was watching this going, oh, okay, so this is this is setting this thing up saying historically he he's not been – able to move forward. Like yeah. he's still a kid, you know, he, yeah. he wants the action and the adventure and excitement. And when he got back from the war, like the reason he went off, he's doing Delta mm. Force. I don't know what Delta Force does, presumably something exciting. Yeah. And they don't eat much except they, just they pure with proteins. <laughs> they force Deltas, whatever that means. He's basically just gone off to the Amazon and fought Predator and then come back I, to I his think wife and child, right? Like that's kind of the idea. That's essentially what we're getting at here is... is He's, he's done just put back into American society and you go, eh. He's done a bit of that and he's come back and he's just kind of, you know, um, he's still living as, you know, this sort of loose, carefree, adventurous yeah. person, which is not the person that Gemma well, wants to be with. No. And so this is this is what I was getting from this is that's, that's his history because later on... Oh, yeah, so to me that's the catalyst part, right? Because really essentially this story is about him and his son. Yeah, I mean it's it's all about him being in the present. Yeah, because you know, like and and that well, this this is what I was saying when I I got uh, a different take on the second watch. And sometimes you got to watch films yeah, a couple yeah, times you because do, you do. the first, you know, not neither take is wrong, no. but you get other layers, which you is do. always nice. Anyway, is it the twelve forty seven or is it the discussion with Gemma? Let us know what you think. Yeah, what's the the actual... What's the catalyst? So to me, I then was saying the debate was basically because it goes back to the loop and he really does in this, this after that scene, I just summarised that in those loops after that, he, it's like, he, why should he live on? Like, why should he try? Does he even want to try? Like, there's kind of that in those yeah, loops. Yeah, it's... Like, he's kind of, the debate there is, so he, so... If you think about it, like narrative storytelling, the filmmakers set us up, this guy's in this loop, all these people are trying to kill him. No matter what he does, he dies at 12.47. Then we go to the wife and the wife, he has this weird sort of scene with the wife the day before, which in reality to us, she's up to something a bit sus, but really the scene is about he wasn't there as a father. Yeah, and, he, and, and, he uh, and in the relationship, right? He says so, he regrets not calling back, regrets yeah. not spending time with... <laughs> so therefore then, in, and then post that scene, the debate, it's kind of like the loop is going again and he's going, Ugh, like, oh, do I, what do I do? Do I care? Does it really matter? You know, and... Um, well, he gets that book. He gets the, the book. The Cyrus book, which, which he kind of... Uh, it it keeps him going in the debate. Like, yeah. like rather than him just giving up, he yeah. sort of goes... Uh, there is something here. Yeah. He's not sure what, and he, and he drives along, and that's when he misses the turn off to the noodle bar because he discovers yeah. the nitrous system. That's right, and, yeah. and he turns out. Oh, never knows this before. Turns out yeah. he's going so fast, he misses his turn off, and he goes, "Oh damn!" And he, but he winds his way through, and he ends up at some underground place where he goes yeah. in, which just so happens to be where Joe is, Joe, his yeah. son, and uh, he, you know, bumps into his son and meets him, and, and sort of has a bit of a, a chance to to connect a little bit and when he comes out it's 2 12 50 mm. he says i've never gotten this far <laughs> and so this has got to be the end of the debate yeah this has yeah, got to be ah because as the audience as well you're going you know he's 
done something. Like, this is going to be... Something has changed, yeah. Yeah, there's yeah. something worth continuing for yeah. here. And so, sorry, the thing is, seeing his son is really the end. Of, to me, that's the break into two because he sees the son, but he acts on it. So he actually goes and speaks to the son. Yes. And so by speaking to the son, he breaks it and... You know, like they have a moment together and yeah. that's kind of then that theme, you know, like it keeps going for the rest of the film is like him that he has to resolve. Basically he's stuck in this loop, right, until he resolves the thing with his son. Yeah. He gets, <laughs> and the uh, son has the re- resolution as well, which is he, that mum was still alive when he thinks he's his Yeah, so because he, he discovers he's being tracked at this point and so now... We oh, have, this is the fun and games. Now, now yeah. we have the fun and games because yeah. now we've got all the pieces are in place finally. We've got yeah. a reason for him to go on with the film. Yeah, which is the sun. The sun. Uh, we've got a bit of a mystery there, which is like this, um, which seems to be a B story. Yeah. I think actually the sun turns out to be the B story. The sun is the B story, but yeah. you think the book and his wife is sort of the B story, that yeah. it's a parable about, you know, connecting with the people that you love and so yeah. forth, which it, it is in part about. And he's found out the wife is dead. He found out the wife is dead and he was, because he was wondering whether he should tell his son yeah. or not. And, and he didn't. He says, I'm but... your father. <laughs> so that's going to be a Star Wars restaurant yeah, reference totally, for sure. Totally. Yeah. And um, so in these loop, uh, Roy, this is where Roy sort of realizes that, uh, yeah, he's being tracked. And so he has to like, oh, where is the tracker? Oh, the guy at the bar. Yeah, the guy the he met. He like talks you were a lot about like security. Yeah. Oh, hang on. Where would you track? And in a tooth. So of course, yep. fun and games. It would pull be out the a tooth. special. Yeah, pull out a tooth. You know. <laughs> I, I, I meet so like I'm a, in IT, software engineering, and I get so many people like Dave, where yeah. where they do these things like oh, it would be the Dave special, and they make some funny face, and you look, they go, I don't understand the significance of your silliness. Like what? <laughs> Just no, you you get it? <laughs> and they do like this thing, and you're still like. I'm sorry. I'm like I'm a relatively normal person. I don't. I don't get the. Reference. I don't speak monkey or whatever it is that you're doing. You're like this funny face you're pulling. Uh, yes, but tooth. And then he and then he horrifies Dave by ripping teeth yeah. out of his head. Uh, but now he's got that that next part of the game, the next save point he's reached. Yeah, which is where he could pull the tracker out. Yeah, and so then he's not being tracked. So then he can now target. Uh, and he, so he, his first plan here. So this is a, this is what's good about this story overall is that now that realistically that whole thing is a setup. Now he's free, and so he can now target the colonel, right? Like he mm. can target. He can go, okay, you know, the, my ex-wife. You know, I've got a cause now that's yeah. bigger than me. My ex-wife died on this plant. She was trying to tell me something. I can save the day. I can save this game kind of idea. Get revenge so I can get back to them. So without the tracker, now we have a whole bunch of fun and games of him crashing into the, uh, you know, the security army base or whatever it is. And I love that first one where he just drives into the walls. (laughs) That's a really great one. So I'm going to do it. This time (laughs) looping gives you these opportunities to have. You can just totally. You can take the piss of. Action movies, yeah. because in an action non-looping action movie, he would have successfully done all of these things. That's right. First yeah. go, first and go. You, you look at that, and you, you think that is so unlikely. Yeah. A number of times, you think, "Oh, yeah. just go up and kick that soccer ball," and you run up and you, you kick the ground a little bit too soon, and yeah. you stumble and you look like a doofus. You, know, you go, <laughs> "Ah!" 
But no, no action you can, heroes always do it perfectly yeah, every time. You can make a bus jump across a broken part of a freeway bridge at 70 miles yes, an hour. You know course. what I mean? Like in the movie you can do that, but that's what's great about this thing is that with the loops, in Groundhog Day he's trying to kill himself at this point, yes. right? Like so it's all the ways he can kill himself, but that's the fun of it. Like he tried, puts the toaster in the bath and, uh, you know, runs in front of a bus and, yeah, so he, Bill Murray gives up at this point in the movie. In this bit it's, it's the opposite. He's... Now got he's already been in the giving up phase. Now it's like, oh no, I've got a cause bigger than myself. I'm going to break into this highly advanced, secure base. So I think, and, um, I think you'd almost just say this is the because this is coming to the second half here. Is he the bad guys closing in? <laughs> well, no. To me, this is all fun and games. This is all fun and games, and we, and this is where his doppelganger comes in. Yes, you know, so he can he can go in as it, and then he gets into that. I like it, like. They what they what they do here well, and they some of these time loop movies do it as well. It's like there's a good quick montage of like trying to break in and the the trial success fail success, fail. Yeah. and then they get to a point like he gets to the elevator and then he there's a guard and he scans the card and it's like doop doop and the guard's like uh sir do you want to scan again and he like scans again doop doop oh something must be wrong with the card you know like they can yeah. slow the story down and then the guard's like. Well, you obviously are not that, you know, bang, you know. And so it's like, oh, he's back in the... <laughs> he's well, going to do it all again. I also like though, that but, we've moved outside the elevator and there's a scuffle and a bang. Yeah, yeah. And you think it's going to open up and out walks Frank. Yeah. Uh, Frank, really. No, no it's, it's Roy. But no, it opens up and, you know, Roy swamps down <laughs> and we get the swirling loading yeah. pattern and <laughs> he starts again. So all this and then he gets all the way to Colonel Venter. And again, is what you were just saying, that um, Venter um, says to him, Oh, you, you, you! This is the first time. So this is the this to me is not the midpoint yet. Yeah, he Venter, keeps he keeps trying to get past Guan Yin. Yeah, but he keeps defeating Inventor. Then has his little speech. Yeah, and and this is where Venter actually is like, ah, oh, you're in the spindle. Mm. You're the spindle. That's how. That's the only way you've got here. And I really like that. I really reckon that's a well. First of all, it's like giving Venter a lot more. Um, aptitude, you mm. know, that he's actually sort of like, you know, there's probably a reason why he's the boss, you know, like he's not just a hard ass. He's also smart enough to realise that. Um, and so, yeah, that to me, he's, basically we kind of now hit the midpoint um, is that him and Ventor admitting that uh, he was responsible for Gemma's death. Yeah, I, I like actually as Venter is doing his... Um, ridiculous speech about mm. changing things. Yes. This this is one of these themes that I, I got more from this, which was uh, Roy says, the past of the past is designed to be left behind. Yeah. Uh, we learn from it. Mm, yeah. And because that's yeah. what this whole thing is. That's that what, yeah. All the way up to this point, he's been trying to, re, you know, get revenge. He's, he's, he's still in Delta Force mode. He's still the... This action hero, he's not being, as Gemma asked for, the man that she fell in love with. Yeah. So, yes, we can, he discovers that, uh, realises his wife died, the, he's told his wife slipped and fell on the steps yeah, the but night no, before. Yeah, uh, killed her. And, yeah, and so then he drops out of it. He does. He? He, he lies and he tries to sleep in, but the machete yeah. guy keeps killing <laughs> him. 
<laughs> it's like it's crazy. He's like, yeah, it's like he just wants to sleep in. Just wants to sleep in. He's clearly depressed. He wants to hide under his doona. Yeah, but this. This guy, and, and, he, and he even pulls him upstairs and says, why won't you let me sleep in? <laughs> yeah, that's right. So the realisation here, heading towards like the bad guys closing in, is that he's kind of gotten to Ventar. He can kill him, but he yeah. can't save the day. But the all is lost is that he, in getting to Ventar and realising, you know, they've got that screen where he can actually see them killing Gemma. Yes is that Venter, and again, in that version, it's sort of different again because he's like, oh, you, you know, you sol-. Venter keeps solving it that you're in the spindle, right? Yeah. Like he keeps saying to him, you're the one in the spindle. And so he understands that. But then he says to him kind of in his dying breath, well, you made it this far, but did you ever think that who's watching Joe? And yeah. so to me, this is that all is lost, like someone dying because then he's like, oh, crap, I've put all this effort into getting to Venter. But, yeah, didn't think about Joe. And so he goes to save Joe. Yeah, well, he goes there and sees Joe is dead Joe at is one dead. time. And this is where we also get the first time that everything explodes, like the world yes. destroys itself. He, ter- he turns around the steps and he yeah, gets ripped apart. everything's being ripped apart. And so the lesson here is, like, he then realises that, well, I never had the time to spend with Joe and I've realised that, you know, he's gone on this journey to revenge Gemma so is this going to Act 3? No, not quite. No, not quite for me. You don't um, think so? No, because this is like that sort of, oh, yeah, no, it is, sorry. Sorry, this is going into break, in, going into 3, yeah. So he he then decides to just, you know what, everything I've been doing, the vengeance and stuff, screw that, I'm just going to spend mm, it with Joe. Because that's, yeah. that's him not that's learning from his past. Yeah, that's As learning it. from the past and it's also like it, it is pushing into a new plan. It's a new mm. idea, isn't it? It's like, well, instead of doing the vengeance, that didn't that get that gets Joe dead, right? Yeah. Gemma's already dead. Why don't I just spend time with Joe? Yeah. And then, then the movie ends. That's it, the end. So the ultimate... <laughs> That's the Netflix end. <laughs> oh, that's it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Act three. Yeah. No, it, it goes on and he goes back to his video game things and then he, you know... Has a good time, he says He says that he's into video games and he, I think he does genuinely get into it. Yeah. And they he do says... Street Fighter. <laughs> he's, um, you know, sat there at the end of the, the day and said he's going to get a boat and yeah. then he texts mum and he says he's done this so many times and then the world blows up. Yeah. And then one day he's sitting there and he goes, you know, um, I, I should... I've got to tell him about mum. And he says there's something about mum and... and, and then. Joe says, oh, yeah, when I spoke to her this morning, she sounded a bit strange. She said, if anything weird happens, I should find you. Yeah. And Roy's like, "What? hang on, what time? And looks and is called at 7.03. He says, I was awake at that time. Yeah. She was alive when I... And so then we get... The push. new plan. Yeah, then, yeah. So that's like a reversal. Like you're thinking, oh, he's made peace with his son yeah. and that's it. But then that's not the finale. No. Because there's a reversal here, which is, first of all, it's always going to end in death. Yeah. But secondly, the gem is alive. And so then he, he rushes straight through. He knows how to get all the way to Ventnor. Yeah. But when he gets there, Gemma's already dead. Mm. And he's, uh, I think he, uh, he looks on the security cameras and finds 7.14. Yeah. So he's got 14 minutes got 40 from minutes waking from up, up. Yeah. to get there. So it's the final plan isn't it yes, really it's, yeah it's the final final effort it's the one through. shot it's the star wars shooting luke shooting the little thing right yeah like, and he, and he does it one he, shot yeah he, conveniently enough 
again, the we had a helicopter yeah. at the start and <laughs> yeah. he jumps through, guns yeah. on the helicopter, flies in, rushes down, saves Gemma. Yeah. And then they have like their little heart to heart at the end. They do. And he says, well, she, she warns him that the only way to really reset it is for him to go through the spindle. But when he does that, he may not come back. He may be obliterated or something. Yeah. And so they have their, you know, Hollywood kiss goodbye. Well, he has that important point where he indicates, because um, earlier in that flashback, he said, yeah, he wants to see Joe more. He says, well, you've had plenty of time to see Joe, yeah. but you don't, you don't really do it. And now he indicates. Now he's learnt from that. And yeah. He says all this stuff that he learned about, about Joe. Joe. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Gemma says, "You have to understand. I saw you just literally like last night." Yeah. yeah. He says, "Well, me, it's been a lifetime since I've seen you." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so that's that's sort of that closing off of those. Yeah. That points. he's learnt and he had the time with Joe, and mm. so now he goes into the spindle. And in this version, he just. Vanishes basically into the spindle, doesn't it? That's yeah, it, the credits. It closes in on him and then it rolls credits. Yeah. So the interesting thing, watching this the first time, that disappointed me. Mm-hmm. I felt like I was missing something. Yeah. But watching this second time through, I noticed that, yeah, it was closing off. He closed out all of these points where he made, you know, he, from that original flashback with Gemma, yeah. it was pointed out that he went off and he was not learning, he was kept going around yeah. in circles. And I was thinking, well, that's that reloading. He's starting his days. Literally, this mm. is what he was doing. That whole fighting and then getting to a bar and drinking. Yeah, that was his life actually before he started looping. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's like the looping hasn't changed his life. No, significantly. And, and that's that good old uh, the status of a person, mm. a character, will equal death at the start. So, if he, if this time loop hadn't happened. Although he's jacked up, it's what we were talking about before. He he would be an alcoholic and yeah. rot to death, he, or he was, something would kill him. I the mean, bottle his would apartment demonstrated yeah. someone on the decline. Yeah, at, at some point he would be dead, yeah. you know, and sooner than later. And so then, and then of course he catches up with Gemma, and he demonstrates that he he had that growth moment there where he did. He went, "What am I doing this?" This is what I've always done. Yeah. And as he says to Venton, you know, the past is for learning from. Mm. We're supposed to move forwards. Yeah. Because all the time he's been going backwards. Yeah. And then, interestingly enough, when he gets to go into the spindle, he walks down all of the death resets we've seen looking directly into the spindle. Like, presumably yeah. that's what he's seeing. Yeah. But when he gets down there, he turns around, he turns his back on the loading screen, which is resetting him, mm. and instead is looking forward to his wife, which is his future life. Yep. And so when it does go, little shoveling cuts away, I imagine the, the intention there is to say, yes, he's now got a future. Yeah. Like it doesn't matter what happens after this. Yeah. The future is moving forward and he has learnt, he's grown, yeah. he's completed. Uh, of course, there is an alternate ending. And the alternate ending is that he wakes up again in the morning back where the machete guy comes in and only he realises, and I don't know how because I've not seen this anywhere, but apparently there's the voiceover and he realises that time has started moving forward again. Now he just has to get through this day one more time. <laughs> and, and I think that's kind of also the, the reference to boss level. Yeah. Like, you know, now this is the... The real, you know, the final death yeah. showdown level. Yeah, one version. Where he, he gets through. I'm not sure. I think the first time I watched it, I would have preferred to have seen that version because mm. then you kind of go, ah, oh, cool, okay. And he knows how to do it all now. Yeah. 
But having watched it the second time, you know, always keeping in mind knowing that the end is him walking to that spindle, I was looking for this other stuff. And I've, I, I think I quite appreciate this spindle one where he turns his back on it mm. and looks, you know, it looks like he's looking back at his wife, but he's actually looking forward yep. to, well, he's now got a wife again. Yeah, and a kid and yep. stuff. So it'd be awfully terrible if that was really just the end. Yeah, but even if it is the end, I guess it's. I mean, it's like the Donnie Darko end, isn't it? It's the anti-hero end in a yes. way. Like if, if that is the end, like he kind of sacrifices himself, but he's learnt he's he's the opposite person yeah, the, than he was at the start. The actual villain he had to get past was himself. Was himself. Yeah. Look, when, and as when it you, turns out, Venter wasn't that big a problem. No, he just no. he turned up, and the first time he sort of punched him up a bit, yeah. but then all the other time he's just yeah, shoot, just, yeah, whatever. Yeah, so it's nothing. So maybe the villain was himself getting past himself and actually appreciating life and then therefore having a good relationship with his wife and child. Mm. So I would yeah. recommend if you have seen this for the one time and you saw the ending and kind of went, uh, what, that's it? Give it a little bit and then go back and watch it again, keeping in mind that that's it. Mm, good advice. And see how it goes from there. And here's an interesting thing. Do you notice the name of the company? They never said it. The company she worked for? No. Now well, the logos were everywhere, and it's quite well because yeah. it's all it's all you know the um, uh, you know Cyberdynes and yeah. all those systems. It was die now, die now, yeah, <laughs> die now. I, lo- I love that. I, yeah, because they never say, it, but I, I just noticed it on the on the logo. They actually read it and went, yeah, right. Die now. So that's the kind of stuff you pick up on mm. that second and third viewing, which is great because it just looks like every other. Yeah, that's right. You know, Mega Dyne, Ultra Dyne. They're all they're all Dyne for some reason. Microsoft. It's all the same. <laughs> Microdyne, Microsoft Dyne. That's right. Now. Um, so yeah, great. Check it out. It's an awesome, funny, fun popcorn sort of styled overall movie, but does have a cool substance to it. A narrative feature that you've probably seen before. We've all seen Groundhog Day, but done in a different way. And that, that is one thing I really liked overall with this narrative is that we came in and it was day 140, you know, yes. so the inciting incident wasn't a character getting stuck in the loop. That, that's what I liked about this. Yeah. Like the loop was happening. He I, was I think, already in the loop. I think this looping you know, concept like, is established well enough now that we yeah, can skip. We can kind of forward. jump in deeper. And, and so, and he's also, he's going from the despair part already. He's already, we didn't see day one to day 10 where maybe he's like, what, what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I can change this. You know, I can be hopeful. We're coming in it so far into it that he's, He's already at the despair level, and so I quite liked that. So, But check it out. Let us know what you thought about Boss Level. What about what other films would maybe you recommend people watch around this one that of the films we've looked at? Sorry, I myself thought this would be quite a good one with the space between us in Paradox and Boss Level, maybe in that kind of level. And the reason oh, being is... That's interesting. I can see yeah, that. I think it's... A, the reason why I put it there is it's kind of like a bit of a palate cleanser of those other ones. So the... And maybe also I'm thinking being a teenage boy and and those films kind of working for the teenage boy in me. Yeah, it's funny. After we did The Space Between Us, the, for those who aren't remembering, that's about the kid who was born on Mars yeah. who had... Who forms a relationship with a girl on Earth? Yeah, and then comes and to comes Earth, here, yeah. and he can't because his physiology is not up to the task. Yeah. I said that I did that, and my nephew, who was fourteen at the time, he had seen it uh, at school yeah. apparently, right? And he he was 
over the moon about it. He said <laughs> it was one of the best films he's seen in a long time. Yeah. So, and I went, well, because I think that was our assessment when we were watching it. We're going, oh man, if you are that 14, 15 sweet spot where you're kind of noticing and you really want a relationship and it's everything's all too hard, yeah. this would really like... It does, know, it tickles to, those... Tickles that do fancy, doesn't it? So I, I think I, that that was the sort of reason to put those three together over the course of a week is rekindle your teenagehood. So that's my reasoning. What about yourself? Where would you recommend Boss Level or what, what other films would you recommend around Boss Level? Oh, my God. I did in time. Did you? <laughs> <laughs> but in, in reality. Okay, so Boss Level, uh, I would have to say the Tom Cruise Edge of Tomorrow. Yep. Like that sort of makes a lot of sense. I, yeah. Edge of Tomorrow was about saving the world. Yeah. I don't really... It was a bit of self-redemption there where Tom Cruise's character went yeah. from sort of this silly Same media idea, guy. time loop idea, right? But he was saving the world. Yeah. In uh, in Boss Level, yeah, he's saving the world, but that's kind of secondary. Yeah, it is. It's almost... It doesn't matter to him because he dies every time yeah. anyway, whatever. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to say like uh, Extinction. Okay. Because, yeah. again... There was this sort of uh, in extension. You, you got to look at this um, time. This it, it was a repeat pattern, except it was a different repeat pattern. So that one there was humanity being kicked off the Earth by the robots, mm. and then humanity returning to fight the robots. You know, it's, it's sort of um, history repeating itself. There, there yeah. that you've got to learn from your past. Loop. In that as well. Yes. So I, I think so. Yeah, that sounds good. But seriously, I, I, I had I, I had myself all prepared for in time again <laughs> for some reason. I that's really weird. That is weird, but it's just the way it is. Sometimes your space brain was on the loop. You're on the loop of last episode. I, I was on the last episode's loop. But let us know how your ladder's going, where you would maybe recommend, or, or what do you think would be a great film to watch back to back with Boss Level. So what about science? The science of how Boss Level. How are we going to go into 1980s video games here? Gamification. Yes, that's what I want to do. I don't know if anyone's heard of this term, gamification. I have. Yes, it's well, it's sort of an interesting concept. It's not super new, uh, the underlying principles. However, the concept of using gamification uh, in scenarios that aren't games. Mm. So for those of you who are unfamiliar with the term, the idea is gamification is a way of motivating people to perform various goals using game-like mechanics. There you go. And so this is often done in uh, workplaces. It's done... um, Pilots do it. Pilots do it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Freaking flyer miles. Yeah. Freaking flyer miles is is one of the earlier forms of gamification. Yep. Uh, And they've sort of added, you know, you, you get so many points which you can then trade in for flights, but then you also... If you do so many flights without trading in, you get like rank gaining, you get you know, yeah. bronze level and silver and you get little status bonuses for yeah, those things. And You're you know, trying to get points for doing that. <laughs> yeah, so gamification really, it's all about motivating people to do things by using game mechanics. We've got a bit of psychology going on there. Yeah. Roughly speaking, there are, there are three factors around motivation, three factors which we can play with to increase motivation. Yeah. One of them is autonomy. Mm-hmm. So autonomy is, um, we've got psychologist Edward L. Decky, I assume his last name is pronounced, and Richard M. Ryan of the University of Rochester. They said that the perception of autonomy uh, predicts well with the individual's 
uh, desire to achieve a goal or willingness to achieve a goal. And they did this experiment where they got a bunch of subjects uh, and they were given the opportunity to select a course of action based on their own options, own, own opinions, and then they were tested and they, the people who got to choose their own and the people who didn't, the people who got to choose their own persisted further and did better in the various puzzles and tests they had to do yeah, right. than the people who were just assigned a task. This choose is, your own adventure. This is, this is your thing that you have to learn. Yes. And then they kind of, oh, okay, whatever. So the autonomy uh, is one thing, and I've heard it said otherwise, which is you support what you build. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's one of these little cheats being a people leader is you don't bother actually doing anything. You just get other people to do it. And then because they built it, they support it. If yeah. you tell them what to do, they don't care. Yep. Yeah. Uh, value. So the next one is staying true to your values, but also being able to assign value to what you're doing. Mm. So the old, let me say, Sisyphus punishment, where Sisyphus was this guy, he got punished to rolling a boulder up a hill and just as he got near the top, it would slip and roll back down. Yeah. And so there's, there's no value in him rolling it up the hill and this is the whole point of the punishment, isn't it? Mm. And I'm sure we've had this thing where you're, you're made to do something for which you see no purpose yep. and it has no value to you. It, do, it doesn't align with what you want to do and you're totally unmotivated. But if it does have some sort of value and aligns with what you want, then you will persist longer at it. Mm-hmm. So there we have uh, University of Maryland psychologists Alan Wigfield and Jenna Cambria. Uh, so they found a positive correlation between valuing a subject in school and a student's willingness to investigate and question independently. The other thing, of course, is value can be modified, which mm. is important for gamification. Right. Because it's, it's no good just sort of saying, oh, yes, well, we need to find something they value. No, you can make people value things. Mm. And the way they tested this was they got a bunch of high school students, all these poor students getting experimented on, because <laughs> one group gets better grades and the other one doesn't. And you said, that's really kind of mean. Yes. Where's the ethics in that? So one, one bunch, they got them to write an essay or, or give a speech or something rather about how science or taking a science subject in school improves, you know, could improve their life in the future. Mm-hmm. And, and they did that. And the other, the, other, um, the other lot simply just had to summarize what was in the textbook. Right. Like, you know, so the, again, it's sort of a, a pointless sort of thing. It's like it's mm. already written in the textbook. Why am I writing it again? Yep. And so the most striking results came from students with low expectations of their performance. So the people who described how science could benefit them in the future mm. actually had a much greater um, desire and resilience in doing their work. Compared to the people who just then summarized it, they didn't see the point. So what this, they're saying here is that because they've, had to, they've actually thought about how science could be helpful, mm-hmm. they've given it value. Yeah. Yes. And the third point is competence. So not surprisingly enough, things that you're good at, you like to do more of. The more you do, the better you get at it. Yeah. So this, and this comes in a game, you can imagine that, where the first levels are always easy. Yes. So you get each of your little skills, you get a chance to practice your jumping, your your shooting, whatever. So you get good at each of those little skills, even though they're really simple. And so then you think, yeah, I'm good at doing this. Mm. Then they chuck a harder level at you and you'll persist at it. Yep. Yeah. Uh, In in the workforce, of course, this would be the case if you're um, assigning tasks or being assigned tasks. Mm. Presumably you'd be choosing a task because we'd want to have that whole autonomy thing in there. So you're choosing your task. You'd want to start with tasks that 
were um, broken down into very easy manageable chunks mm-hmm. before you were given the bigger project. Yeah. And yeah, logically that makes sense. Yep. But by breaking, by doing this as a formalized thing, you can actually gamify. So gamification, uh, it seeks to use game features to motivate mm-hmm. and habituate. Ooh. So this is the next part of games. It's not good enough that you go out and you play a game of soccer. Mm-hmm. You got to join a league and you got to play every weekend and you got to go to training. Yeah. And, you know, the next year you got to sign up again. Yes. How do you get people to do that? Because, you know, you want people to play soccer because you yep. want to run a soccer league. Yep. Or you want to, you know, have a video game about someone fighting their way to their wife. <laughs> or more likely, it's, it's most commonly used in things like, you know, in the military or in organizations. You want to... Mm-hmm. You want to make sure people are... Because people who are motivated to do things, they're usually enjoying doing it. Yes. Like it's when you're not motivated. And, and I've been in this situation where it's, it's you're not making any progress, you don't see any purpose to it all, no. and you're just like, yeah, nah. And you, you just kind of push bits of paper around your desk and go, yeah, I'm done, whatever. <laughs> so that, that habituation then, and this has been really very well you know, honed in on by the social media mm-hmm. applications. Uh-huh. So they've got their three. So we've got the uh, autonomy, value, and competence. Mm-hmm. And definitely, you know, if we're going to use, let's let's call it Facebook, that's a long-running social media. Yep. They use those three for sure. Yep. Like as you upload more of your photos and memories, you know, you're putting value yep. in Facebook. Now, it, now it's actually a lot of people use it to store their photos yep. basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you've got autonomy. You can upload whatever you want. You can click on whatever you want. You can mm-hmm. type whatever crazy posts you want. Yeah. I suggest you don't type them too crazy. People do look at them. And competence, you know, you, you get to use this interface better and better and, and you get likes and follows. Yeah. But so we've got then, how do you turn that into a habit? How do you make sure that people don't leave Facebook? Yeah. So we've got three elements to that as well. Well, It's, it's rules of three. Rules of three. Yeah, we're fairy tales in, in many ways. Is a cue... So this is the trigger that stimulates your behavior. So how many times you know, your Facebook goes ding and then you, you, you've got to have a look, mm. even if just to dismiss that notification. Yeah. Uh, and then so, so that's your, your cues or you get an email saying, we haven't seen you in a while, you know, or so-and-so has just liked your post. Yeah. You've just got a message, you know. It's just this little cue. <clears throat> you've got the behavior itself. So you, you follow that. You go, oh, really? What did they write on my, you know, Post. Yeah. And then you've got the reward, which is, again, it's likes. It's it's in, increasing in value. You get, you know, likes and you get, oddly enough, you get criticism as well. People mm. love a flame war, as they used to call it back in the olden days. Mm. Uh, rage posting. Totally pointless arguments of no, there's no reason to do them. Yeah. But you get this rush of dopamine when... You see someone's been riled up uh, by your comment and then they've written something terrible about you and you go, oh, I've just got to respond mm. you got this, because, of course, you get a little ding and you've been waiting for that ding and you get classically conditioned like Pavlov's dogs <laughs> because, first of all, you get a ding. Mm. It's just like, it's just a ding. Oh, okay, I'll, I'll have a look at that message. Oh, it's this, you know, guy I worked with a couple of weeks ago or a few years ago He's got a job offer that I might like. Mm. Reward, you know, so you, you hit Facebook and you've got a little reward. Oh, that's nice. And the next time the ding goes off, you actually start salivating. So you, you actually get that dopamine hit of, oh, what, what good thing is it this time? That's and right. you go, look, oh, someone responded to my post. Oh, they've 
said that I don't know anything and I'm talking about, ha, 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 little I know, I've done this for 20 years and I'm an astrophysicist and my mum cooks Anzac biscuits weekly. Yes. <laughs> Take that. And, yeah, and so it becomes addictive. Mm-hmm. Because then the cue itself, the little ding, that gets you your rush. Yeah. And, in fact, the behaviour is an easing of anxiety. It, it reduces that feeling mm-hmm. to the point where you have to go to Facebook in order to feel normal. Yep. It's, a, it's an addiction. Yeah. And that means you put your value in it. It's autonomy. You're not being made to use Facebook. You don't even have to pay to use Facebook. No. And, uh, yeah, you know, you're getting better and better at swiping and flicking and organizing and blocking. And that's what people get frustrated when they change the user interface because mm. suddenly your confidence level drops yeah. and motivation drops. You go, oh, is, if they change it too much, you just like, oh, pff, won't even bother. It's pointless. Yeah. So there you go. And that's how, that's how you do it, social media. But, I mean, this same gamification is exactly what happened with Roy in this yeah. where, you know, he's competent. Uh, he can do whatever he wants. He's not being forced to go to kill Ventner. He can go see his son, whatever. Uh, he's, he's got a lot of value in here now because he, he discovers that his son's available to have a relationship with and he mm-hmm. discovers that his wife, later on he discovers his wife is still alive mm-hmm. and so forth. So the spindle has gamified Roy's life. Yeah, hmm. for sure. And the message there from social media is turn off your notifications. Yeah. The, well, that's <laughs> what you number one. You've got, yeah. to, you've got to break that yeah. cycle, that three-stage loop. Either you've got to not do the behavior or not, you know, not have the reward mm. or not have the cue. And usually the cue is the easiest one to stop. Yes. But also if you're designing a product, you might want to do the same things. And yeah. they do that's it right. and product can be a service product or a physical product. Yep. Uh, that's you know, true. Very true. Okay, so poor little Roy and his little gamification. And, I mean, I think that thing is you're saying all that and I'm thinking, well, yeah, that's why I thought this was a game, this movie. Yeah, you yeah, know, like it's it, it presented felt that like way. it was a game, you know, so one of the reasons why it felt like it was a game. Okay, well, that brings us to the end of Boss Level. So if you're out there listening in Apple or Spotify or anywhere you get a good podcast, maybe give us a rating or a review or chuck us some stars or thumbs-ups or likes and swipes and notifications. and Recommend us to someone who might like us. That's right. If you're in a sci-fi group or something, maybe share us along. Um, And also you can be following us on those socials that we're just talking about. In that case, keep your notifications notifications on you know yeah well yeah press the bell for us yeah, that's right obviously we want you under our pavlo's dogs control yeah, if you're not salivating when you hear that space brains <laughs> theme i'm just not happy no that's not all so yeah and our next episode will be a bit our last movie our last episode sorry for 2022 yes i can't believe we're getting to that point in because the year we've got that the next the, the next two episodes after this would be the december are like the week before and you know, two weeks before and the week of Christmas and it's it's just a crazy time of yeah. year. Anyway, that's fine. We're, we're going to we're, um, we're going to really store up some goodness for next year. That's right. Got a new Space Brains studio in the construction. We do. Okay, my house. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell them our secrets. But I, I do have a special room set aside because right. I've got the to design studio, this. The studio. I designed this house. There is an office and a studio. It's, it's, it's going to be fantastic. Awesome. Anyway, and we are going to look at a Christmas science fiction film, which I have seen before, Children of Men. Men. Yes. Uh, that'll be good. I, I saw it 
quite a while ago. Yeah, me too. I remember I enjoyed it, so I'm looking forward to sitting down and, and having a look, and then we'll have a chat next episode. See ya. Bye. Bye.